The Minnesota Vikings lose a heartbreaker in overtime to the Bengals. They drop to 7-7 seven and seven plenty, and I mean plenty to discuss, and we're breaking it all down. It's coming up next on the Locked On Vikings Postcast. You are Locked On Vikings Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Vikings fall to the Bengals 27-24 in overtime. They haven't won a game on the road in Cincy since 1992, over 30 years. What's happening, everyone? We got the full three-man crew today. Myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's Ron Johnson. He's on X, at 3 Ron Johnson. Host of the Ron Johnson Show right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Luke Braun, of course, host of Lockdown Vikings podcast each and every day. He's on X, at Luke Braun NFL. Before we jump into it, guys, quick reminder, this episode... Brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, boys, your Minnesota Vikings are now 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, Tough one on the road today versus, if we're being honest, I mean, that was a pretty hot Bengals team coming in. We talked about it all week on the football party. Jake Browning kind of feeling himself these last two games. couple A topics on my head. Brian Flores' defense finally cracks. They let up those three straight touchdown drives. Every drive over 70 yards. They lose the turnover battle once again today. Nick Mullins, two interceptions on the day. Could have been three. They're now tied second most in the NFL most turnovers. We'll deep dive into Nick Mullins' first game as a starter here in a second. Uh, lots to dissect, though, and hit on from this one. We always start here, though, with Ron Johnson. Ron, what's the headline read in tomorrow's paper? What's your biggest takeaway or two from what we watched just unfold? Never tush push again. Like there's no reason. There's no reason to tush push. Not once, not twice, not thrice, but with Brandon Powell. It makes yeah. zero sense. When everybody draws up the tush push, they draw it up to have somebody big enough to move the needle. Brandon Powell, unfortunately, he's fast. He's a really good punt returner. He's going to get a quick twitch, but he is not strong enough to move the pile in a tush push. That should have been TJ Hawkinson. Hell, put Put Christian Derrissaw in motion if you have to. Put somebody big enough to pick Nick Mullins up and push him into the pile when you see that with the Eagles and how they carry Jalen Hurts. I don't understand. Ty, uh, Ty Chandler finished with 23 carries. Ty Chandler should have had at least 25 carries. Why? The throw to Jordan Addison, that was a touchdown. Should have just been a run. Ty Chandler got you down there. Run the ball again three more times from the one-yard line. And then in those two touch-push situations, should have been runs to Ty Chandler with TJ Hawkinson in the game with uh, Josh Oliver, with C.J. Ham in the backfield blocking for him, bring an extra lineman in, just go elephant package and say, we're going to run the ball down your throat until we get in the field goal range and win this game. And our, our guys are stronger than your guys. Kevin O'Connell, unfortunately, lost that game at the end for the Vikings. That, that, that play calling should not have happened that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I think ahead, with yep. with sneaks, like I can't tell you how many times there's been a third and one, and gosh, I go back like two weeks, go back to the Broncos game. There's a third and one. The Vikings do something fancy, and they go, "God, just sneak it twice! Come on!" So I, I'm a little bit reticent to be like, you know, never sneaking. Everybody always wants to sneak on third and one. That's I think it's it it didn't work this time, and I don't want to fall into the trap of all the play calls that worked are good, and all the play calls that didn't work are bad. Um, but I agree with the personnel thing. Why is that Brandon Powell, right? Make that TJ Hawkinson shoot. 
make TJ, you've done it before. Make TJ Hawkinson go under center, take the snap and have him push it. Part of the reason the Eagles are so good at it is because Jalen Hurts can squat 600 pounds. Nick Mullins is not doing that. So I think it's a personnel thing. Plus you got to give him something to check out of that. When you see both the a gaps are covered, you see two nose tackles up in the a gaps. The sneak is not going to work. Um, and, and I think the success of the tush push elsewhere has sort of made offenses forget about this, but if they've got both a gaps covered and both B gaps covered jet sweep, that thing, you had it, the, the jet sweep look absolutely there. If, if you give that to Brandon Powell, if you want to use Brandon Powell that way. So I think there's personnel tweaks you could have made to make that a better idea. I think sneaking it twice is not something on on third and one is not something I'm ever going to say is just like a generally bad idea, but you have to be smarter about who's doing what. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, by the way, too, it was last year the Vikings played on a Saturday. They raced the biggest deficit in NFL history versus the Colts. Anytime this team plays on a Saturday, you better buckle up for good or bad. Insane second half of football. The wideouts. No in this lead game, is ever safe, man. Never, never, never. <laughs> what a never meltdown, shut dude. That I'm pissed off. off. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I get it. And a lot of people in the comments section are as well. The wideouts in this game balled out on both sides, but you guys are right. The third and fourth down calls by KOC, that's going to be under the microscope all week long. Ron, the defense, though, lets up three long, long touchdown drives in the second half. Who's taking more heat this week? Is it Flores or KOC for not being aggressive uh, on, on those final plays uh, in overtime, like you mentioned? You mean from an offensive standpoint or both defense and offensively? Ryan Flores and the defense, who all of a sudden cracked in the second half for the first time, or KOC and the lack of aggressiveness in overtime? Uh, I, I can't put it on either one, like, specifically. I mean, I think they both have a job to do. Kevin O'Connell's job is to get in the field goal range there and score, and Brian Flores' job is to get the ball back to the offense. So it is a team game there. I can't blame one guy. Uh, but what I will say, again, I'm still very perplexed at third and one. And, um, you know, just just coming up with something, spread them out and run the ball like Ty Chandler had been running the ball and had hit like a he had finally got it going. And it felt like, man, we got a true RB one. We had a guy that can break it. If you spread them out and go three receivers wide, they can't to Luke's point. They can't double a gap you. They have to play you straight up. They have to go four down linemen, maybe three down linemen and three linebackers like they have to change it up. And then you still can run the ball. Chandler was finding the holes. He was finding the gaps. Whether you motion uh, a running back or receiver across, and then you still run the ball. Like, you do something to make them think, hey, we're still going to attack. And then at the end of the day, if they give you a, a, a coverage you like, just throw the hitch. Like, you only need three, four, five yards. You could throw a, 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 a flat route to Ty Chandler. You could do a number of things in that situation knowing you have two downs. I do understand Nick Mullins was making some ridiculous decisions sometimes, and so it's kind of scary to say, all right, if it's not there, throw it out of bounds. Uh, but, like, I just feel like you could have been a little bit more like, boom, we got this. But at the end of the day, if the tush push did work, we'd be having a different conversation. They get one of those, they convert, they then run the ball probably three or four more times, kick the field goal, they win. We're probably saying a different subject. So, again, if it doesn't work, we can we can harp on it. If it works, you know, we're praising them. Uh, let's I talk think about, there's a yeah, lot of really, really bad things that happened to bring that to overtime in the first place. I mean, you had 17 to three as the third quarter was winding down and you let them go 75, 74, 75 on you. That's disgusting. And I know that like Brian Flores had come off of what, like 29 straight drives before allowing a touchdown. So you get a little bit of leash, but that that's absolutely getting part of my language. That's getting bitched. Uh, that is, it's, it's not acceptable. 
Um, and a lot of that was letting Jake Browning for one, not tackling, right? Tackling was poor today. You had a really bad miss by Cam Bynum. You had a bad miss by Ivan Pace on the goal line. You had bad misses in the pocket on Jake Browning all day long. He gets out and he manages to throw something on the run seven seconds into the play. So the secondary can never cover that long. Uh, wrap up and tackle. I just, we just had a whole thing about how good the tackling was against the Raiders. Really bad tackling day. Is the jump balls an issue with the secondary all of a sudden? Makai Blackman, Cortland Sutton, the Denver game final two minutes, obviously T. Higgins today, uh, and it happened on Caleb Evans as well. Uh, or do you just kind of throw your hands up and say, all right, you're you're sending the house, right? Jake Brown is just throwing up these YOLO balls here. And T. Higgins, I mean, that's always been his bread and butter going back to Clemson, is just being a jump ball guy. Did you see anything in the secondary as far as that goes today, Luke? Um, so when you're on a scramble drill in particular, it's really, really hard because wide receivers will be working back to the ball. They'll be working back to the quarterback. So you can be in really good position. Once they work back to the quarterback, as long as the QB puts it on them reasonably, you're not really going to have an angle on that. Plus T Higgins, is just a big dude. Makai Blackman isn't. So like on those, it's like you just, you just didn't have enough you to make that play. Mm-hmm. Um, now Caleb Evans made one in overtime, missed the one that w- that ended up being the touchdown. That was an insane play though, to catch that, get both feet in reach over. I don't know. That's, that's a, just such a crazy play. You can give the Bengals some credit. It's okay. You don't have to say that every good thing the Bengals do was, was that a Viking messed up. You can give them some credit. Uh, Ron, the book on this 2023 Viking season, it's going to be a wild one, man. Kirk Cousins, I mean, on pace, kind of MVP type of season, tears the Achilles. Josh Dobbs comes in, takes the NFL by storm for two weeks. Then that whole thing comes crashing down to earth. Now we're in the part of the book where we're watching the Nick Mullins chapter unfold. What was your assessment of Mullins, how he performed, and maybe most importantly, how he ran this KOC offense? Because ultimately, that felt like the number one hang-up with Dobbs is the timing isn't there. The rhythm isn't there. Not as much to KOC's liking anyways. And KOC was just, I mean, flat out, simple as this. He was just thirsty for someone, anyone, to be able to come in and run the offense the way it was built. What was your thoughts on Nick Mullins today, Ron? Uh, yeah, so when you look at Nick Mullins, I mean, I think you, you, you saw why he wanted him in there. He did make mm-hmm. some time in throws, uh, even the in-cutting routes. He was getting it out of his hand a little bit sooner, putting it in a position where Justin Jefferson can make the catch and not take a big hit. Uh, the sideline throws, they weren't hot, too high, just high enough where he can get over the first defender and Justin Jefferson still can make the catch. So, I mean, he did some of the things, you know, even the throw, the touchdown throw, like falling backwards to, to, to Jordan Addison. That's just Jordan Addison making a great catch. That is still a little bit of a like arm strength thing and at least to get it out there uh, could have went bad. Um, you know, the touchdown to, to Jordan Addison, again, could have went bad. I mean, in that situation, honestly, if you watch the wide angle, Josh Dobbs probably tries to scramble and run and maybe makes magic happen there. Like we don't know uh, what you would have got out of the two of them, but yeah, I think with the timing and, and to come out and have a, a game like he had, uh, you know, the offense, and, and, and let's not forget Ty Chandler made Nick Mullins job easier today. That's the one thing that the Vikings haven't seen all season is a hundred yard running. I mean, hell, they haven't seen it since week 10 of last year, uh, with Dalvin cook, a hundred yard rusher. And so Ty Chandler's rushing out the gate, like his first four to five carries out the gate, right? Actually seven, you know, his first seven carries, he got 30 yards and then he had an explosive coming out of second. I mean, he made Nick Mullins' job a little bit easier. But, yeah, you're seeing what Kevin O'Connell wanted in Nick Mullins. Yeah, Luke, I mean, basically it's like, okay, 
this is what KOC has been banging the table for, right? A guy who knows how to run the offense. And today we kind of saw that, what, why that's been so important and what's been missing, I guess, the last four weeks. The advantages, I think, of Mullins, as you know, the offense is going to look like what it did with Kirk Cousins in a way, in control of the offense, uh, making the right checks and calls at the line, going through his reads and progressions. And if nothing else, giving his weapons a chance to go make plays with the ball in their hands as well. And, and you don't need to be an expert to see his pass placement. Far from perfect, I get it, but still light years mm-hmm. ahead of Josh Jobs. He just needs to be more consistent in that area, which you can say for virtually anyone outside of you know the elite at their position in the NFL. So is he maybe a little boring? Maybe not sexy, not flashy compared to Josh Dobbs. But of the three options, I think he does give you the best chance to win games to finish the season. And maybe it's just because I watched four weeks of Josh Dobbs. Maybe take this <laughs> with a little grain of salt, but Mullins does have a little hint of that gunslinger mentality too. So I was going to say, I don't, you, I don't know if I'd say boring. Yeah, well, I mean, there's he, mural ball in there, right? He, that third yeah. and eight to Addison. That was forced. Like the, I mean, th- also the stupid interception to BJ Hill coming down. What are you doing? Like right, there's right. still He's, some of that. And I said that all week, like not all three of these guys have that. You're not getting rid of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk Cousins does it had some too, like, Threw to the wrong jersey once last year. Like, it, everybody has it. Um, but, like, yeah, there was a little bit of being able to run around, get that touchdown out of the pocket on the goal line, that last touchdown that they scored. Um, there is still some of it. But, yeah, like you said, like, when Mullins made mistakes, it was mistakes in the structure of the play. Like, that first mm-hmm. interception to uh, Mike Hilton, I think it was. That was a, a mistake. It was a horrible play. But I think there's something to be said about when you're in the structure and you make a mistake, it's easier to correct that than when you just ran around and, you know, just heave it into nowhere, throwing, you know, bad interceptions to, to defensive linemen or with, with like Dobbs in the Raiders game, when you just aren't reading out the concepts at all anymore, which is what happened down in the, in the, in the third quarter. Um, it's not, that's not good, but it's better for sure. Uh, I still, I'm kind of holding to that. I, I kind of feel like Jaron Hall might be able to do more for you, but I, I, I'm i willing to just kind of say, all right, coaches don't agree with me, and then that's fine. I'm going to ask both of you this, uh, 30 seconds each. Do we feel better or worse or the same watching Nick Mullins today, knowing Nick Mullins likely the starter for these last three games? Ron, I'll start with you. Do we feel better or worse going uh, into the week? I feel the same. I mean, honestly, Nick Mullins did give you some good moments there. Like, I don't think I feel better or worse. I think it is what it is. He's the quarterback. Um, I know on the pregame show we we talked about do we think he will be the quarterback in the wild card game? Uh, we don't even know if they're gonna make it to the wild card yeah, game. Well, wild card game. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I could easily see like you know that two interceptions could have been three if not for you know Trey Hendrickson jumping offside or you know like what I, I technically it was neutral zone. He wasn't truly offsides. He timed it up kind of perfectly so uh i think refs were on alert but yeah no i don't i feel the same yeah luke better worse the same how do you feel it's it's what i expected after watching like the preseason and what little mullins did in in vegas you see yep there's bozo stuff he's got a little bit of hero ball in him the broadcast made a big deal out of you know don't be a hero don't be a hero he's gonna try to be a hero um but ultimately the ball's gonna be in rhythm and uh not accurate, but accurate enough for Justin Jefferson, which is nice having him. And TJ Hawkinson was a really good inaccuracy eraser today, too. He made some of those contested catches that have, it's been such a thing for him all year. Yeah, well said. All right, I want to keep diving into this one, maybe get into some more individual performances, what you guys saw. But first, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors over at LinkedIn. 
Guys, don't forget this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why it's an absolute must to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've done it myself. Trust me when I say it's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn to help spread the word fast that you're hiring. Personally, my favorite part, it's also simple. The simple tools they give you to make it so quick and effortless, like screening questions that make it easier to focus on the candidates with just the right skill set and experience. That way, you can prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in manufacturing quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so, Ron, is this still a championship-caliber defense we're watching? Because I think, you know, we're all watching kind of the exact opposite of what we imagined or assumed this season would look like. In fact, I mean, that that's the defense picking up the offensive slack for the most part this year um, and, and really just hoping the offense can just be competitive, right, every week. If the offense can just continue to do their part and get better, can this defense win you multiple games, let's say, in the playoffs right now? Oh, so I'll, I'll, I'll take it down to the numbers. Rushing-wise, you know, Joe Mixon, 47 yards, Brown, 23 yards. So, yeah, did they stop the run? They did a pretty decent job of containing the run. From a receiving standpoint, Chase only had 64 yards. Higgins only had 61 yards. Boyd only had 53 yards. There was no big-time explosive like Jordan Addison type of receiver in this game. So could they do it? Yes. But the problem is the quarterback threw for 324 yards. So he was able to not find one read, not look at his second read, not go to his third read, but go to his check down, and his check down would get him big yardage. He was able to come off his first and second read, go to his third read, his third read. Again, we'll get him a first down. There has to be some – some some, and, and I think the announcers brought this up. And even in the play where, uh, like, he almost got sacked by Troy Dye, then almost gets sacked by DJ Wanham, and then uh, – or I think it's Neil Hunter, and then almost gets picked off by Josh Metellus, guy makes the catch and still goes forward. If Josh Metellus just knocks the ball down, it's an incompletion. And there's too much like trying to make the play sometimes with his defense, which is great. But you see a lot of guys punching at the ball versus making the tackle. Um, and then you see guys squirt out and get four or five more extra yards. I get it. This is a this is a turnover driven team. This is a team that Brian Flores is like screaming turnovers. We're going to celebrate after every turnover. But sometimes the easiest play is the best play, which is just knocking the ball to the ground to move on to the next play and force them into a third and long. And that's the only thing that can hurt this team is sometimes they want to make the big play versus just making the easy play. Yeah, well said. Uh, Luke, I mean, again, that defense got punched in the face those last three drives, 75 yards, 74 yards, 75 yards, three straight touchdown drives. But again, this defense shouldn't have to be the 2000 Ravens every week for a chance to win. I mean, the offense is allowed to step up their game too. Um, is this defense still yeah. championship type of worthy after this type of game? Do you feel like the the defense can win you multiple games in the playoffs, I guess? Yeah. Three touchdowns in a quarter is not uh 2000 Ravens. That's 24 not. points. I, I think the offense did enough and, and the defense did not. I think 24 points is, is a win for the offense. 27 points is a win for the Bengals offense. 
Um, especially, you know, backup quarterback and all that, uh, no right tackle, no Alexander Madison, all that, that, that O'Connell's dealing with, like on the whole, it was a good game for the office. And I think it was a well dialed up game for Nick Mullins as, as mad at we are, as we are at those last plays. I think O'Connell did a good job on the whole. The defense did not, I, they did great for three quarters and then they melted down and they gave up three touchdowns in a row. And I, I think to add to, to what Ron said, which I agree with, um, I think they made a really big mistake in the way that they drew up their pass rushes and that they didn't really contain rush a lot. They actually did once and they got a great sack on it from uh, for Daniel Hunter, the one where he uh, somehow didn't yeah. get the body weight on him. Yeah, that was contained rushing from DJ Wanham. He do- he spun inside. And then as soon as the scramble drill started, his job was to get out and contain and stop Jake Browning from getting outside and throwing on the run. They, how many times did Jake Browning get out of the pocket, throw something on the run deep. And it was a contested catch. And a lot of times, you know, T Higgins, Jamar chase, Tyler Boyd, all those guys are really good at that. That's like the Bengals like designed their offense around that. So how many times did he get outside the pocket? And all he had to do was heave one up. Um, letting him get outside the pocket as often as they did was a catastrophic failure. And I think that was a, a failure on game plan as much as anything in that you, you didn't have your pass rushes containing guys on the backside of especially like having one them contain on the other side of, of Daniel Hunter who's going to get in there, going to get pressure. And then, like I said before, just not tackling the guy you had Troy die, had him Daniel Hunter had him, um, let him slip away and then run around and make a much bigger play. I think going into that game thinking Jake Browning wasn't going to get outside the pocket and make things happen is a huge, huge, huge mistake. If you watch Jake Browning in any of the other games, he does that a lot. you got to be ready for it. Can we give uh, a little appreciation and love to Ty Chandler? Ron, you kind of brought it up already, but I mean, it's been since week 10 last year since the Vikings had a 100-yard rusher. That was Dalvin Cook. 23 carries, buck 32 and a touchdown, almost six yards per touch. And then he also added three catches, 25 yards. Uh, how nice was that to see? And, you know, it, it brings me back to the draft last year. You got Dalvin Cook on the roster, Alexander Madison, and Kenny. And he still uses a fifth-round pick, KOC that is, on this kid from North Carolina. Spoke volumes to me. Now we're finally getting a, a chance to see how special and explosive this guy is. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he was able to get to the second level a couple of times mm-hmm. and actually show some bursts and, and break through the DBs and you know put them on the, the defensive where they're really just trying to chase him down. I think that's what we had not seen. We had not seen a second-level back since Dalvin Cook. And so – um, I think, like I've said this week in and week out, like they have to give one of these guys 20 plus carries and they finally did it with, uh, with with Ty Chandler. And it was great to see because that's what the running game sometimes is like. If you ever watch Derrick Henry, if you watch Josh Jacobs, it's just boom, 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 three, four or five yards. Six, and then boom, when they hit it, they hit it and they're gone. And so that's what we finally saw was Ty Chandler had been picking and choosing his spots all game. And then when it was time to, you know, make a big run, he made it. And he was going downhill all the times. Didn't feel like he was trying to force big runs. Maybe it was the fact that he knew he was RB1. Um, I, I, you know, even when Kane Wongwu came in, I was like, ah, just leave Chandler in there. Like, I get this is they're trying that 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 two running back committee system. But I felt like, you know what, Ty Chandler should have gotten every single carry today. But he did a great job. And I think, you know, it's going to be a tough decision when Alexander Madison comes back and it's going to be, you know, either Detroit or Green Bay at home. Uh, if, if, if Alexander Madison starts the next two games, one of the two and Chai Chandler doesn't start it off. I think we're going to get booze from the fans. Uh, yeah. Well said. <laughs> Ty Chandler gets all the love rightfully. So Luke, just talk to me about another guy or two that just kind of stuck out to you today for the positive. Let's try to find the glass half full here. A couple positives, just someone that popped off the screen. You think despite the loss did some great things today. 
All right, I'll give you two. One is Jonathan Bullard. Um, there you go. At, at defensive tackle, he went out for a little bit in the game. Ended up getting a huge sack in overtime. What could have been, uh, you know, the play of the game. Um, but a lot of what the Vikings have done in the run has really, really hinged on him being able to to play like gap and a half, be able to be in two gaps, hold his spot, be really strong. Uh, and and while Harrison Phillips is kind of the the main event there, Jonathan Bullard has been a really great sidekick to that. Uh, and then the second guy. Najee Thompson, my guy, a uh, huge play at the end of regulation. It would have picked up blocking. that ball. Oh, that I, it didn't there. touch a Bengal. It was, yeah. it would have oh, been. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it looked like it did, but it actually landed just to the side of him. But uh, yeah, I mean, blocking uh, the jammer right into the returner to blow up field position, get the Bengals to take a knee and go to overtime instead of having any weird 10 seconds, quick out, kick a field goal crap. That that is a clutch play, and he was playing well uh, all all day from that special team spot. That stuff matters; it adds up over the course of a year. Well said. All right, I got one more to close here. Let's talk about the playoff picture here. Only three games left. Right after LeBron tells us about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online therapy made easy. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, better help is there for you. If you are thinking about getting into therapy, even if it's not like I have this problem and I need to solve it, it's still, I think a good idea to look into it just for maintenance, just, just to be ready when, when things, yeah, I mean, things go up and things go down, right? Uh, better help can help you get set up with, uh, a therapist that is right for you. And what's great about better help is if you get somebody and it's not right for you, which happens all the time. In, in therapy happened to me when I was looking for a therapist. Um, they will help you get set up with another one and get another consult until you get somebody that you really, really jive with. And it can be a really, really helpful thing for your mental health. So go to betterhelp.com slash locked on. Uh, and you can get a, a special offer of 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on. All right, fellas, weird year, seven and seven. I think if they win their next, sorry, I'm looking it up on the spot. I think if they win their next two of three, they will be in a wild card spot. They'll be a playoff team. Lions, Packers, both at home, finish the season at Detroit. Ron, when you hear that stretch and think about just the position they're in, what's, what's just the first thing that comes to mind about this team? What needs to happen here down the stretch? Oh, Ron's gone. We oh, no we lost Ron. Ron's he's got the radio, probably. On the vent line. Ron's oh. gone. Luke, same question. What do you got? <laughs> uh, I'll, yeah, I'll take that one. So, uh, stop turning the ball over. How about? <laughs> oh, my God. Stop turning the ball. The Vikings have 26 giveaways on the season. That's second in the league behind just the Cleveland Browns. Stop doing that. Yeah. Do you think help. six points would have helped in this one? Oh. Two third downs. Oh. I mean, how many times are we going to do this? Remember on the Minnesota football party when I came out, one of the nerdy stats of the day, when I came out with the one that the Vikings have on average yes. from yards per play and total yards outgained their opponents in losses. If you just take the games that they have lost, they have on average outgained their opponents. And by the way, they've outgained their opponents in like four of six losses. Guess what? Five of seven. They outgained the Bengals and they lost to them because they can't stop turning the freaking ball over. Protect the football. It's the first thing you always say. And you know what? They're not going to stop turning it over. They didn't stop now. They're not going to start stop then. 
So here's what's going to happen. They're going to play against the Lions. It's either going to be this coming game or the last game. They're going to turn the ball over in a game where they outgain the Lions and they're going to lose there and they're going to miss the playoffs. Or if they make the playoffs, they're going to turn the ball over and lose in the playoffs. Steal yourselves for it now because I have absolutely no faith that the Vikings can can protect the football anymore. Do, I'm do sorry. Do you feel the pain? Coaches you, have failed there. Do you feel Coaches the have failed there. Yeah, it, it, and and – Trust me, everybody in the comment section, everybody listening at home, they feel your pain. They feel the frustration because it wouldn't hurt so much, Luke, if we we didn't know that this was a good team. This is a good team, man. Shooting yourselves in the They're foot talented. over and over. If they can't stop turning the ball over, how good are they? That's no, part of being good is protecting the football. You cannot be second in the league in giveaways and call yourselves a good team. You're a 500-ass team at 500. You deserve to be. Boom. Well said. Let's uh let's drop the mic right there. Well said. Well done as always. Vikes lose a tough one in overtime 27-24 in Cincinnati. Absolute heartbreaker. Rest assured we'll be back breaking it all down right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel. You got Ron Johnson on the Ron Johnson show. That's on Tuesday, of course. We'll be breaking it down on the Minnesota Football Party on Monday. Make sure to check out that myself, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Braun, of course, Arif Hassan. Plus, you can check out Luke every day on the Locked On Vikings podcast as well. Huge shout out and a thank you to everyone who joined us on today's postcast. And yeah, chat's popping always, off. Love you guys. Chat's popping off for sure. This is a safe place. We can all vent <laughs> right here together. And another reminder: make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so you catch all our shows. That'll do it for us today. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman, Ron Johnson at three Ron Johnson at Luke Ron NFL for Ron and the two Lukes. Until next time, signing out.